Welcome to the Wild Truth Chase podcast with myself, Niraj Shah, and my co-host, Nick Schaefer. How are you doing, Nick? I'm doing pretty well this week. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing very well. It's going to be an interesting episode where we touch on a few different things. So today's episode, everyone, is called Season 3, Episode 5's Ha Ha Hot Water. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about comedians we like and the times that they may have dropped themselves into some hot water and ended up in some controversy. But before we begin with the episode, Nick, is there anything from last week that we want to cover? Our last week's episode was Silly Specimens. And we used the episode to go over a bunch of examples of jokes and to help us try to understand how the comedy was working there. We had a poll up for that episode, which was, I prefer my humor. And then there were three options in written form, told on stage or captured on film and captured on film was the winner in the poll. Super. Okay. So the people like their humor captured on film. I think it's nowadays, it's probably how most people watch their humor or get their humor. Have, have you ever been to a, a live stand-up show, Nick? I think we discussed this previously in the season, and I'm sure I've been to some, but uh, you know, not in recent memory. And I was just thinking that now stand-up comedy is more like a film, the way they're produced, right? And the way that most people consume it, it's not probably at the club. It's on Netflix or HBO or something like that. I did go a few times at, in university, and I, I remember never wanting to sit near the front because I didn't want to be under that scrutiny of being the person potentially picked out by the stand-up comedian. Okay, so on to today's episode then. We'll see how well we deal with it. So something I saw recently, and if anyone's been following the podcast so far or the season so far, is people know that I'm a fan of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I really love that show. And the other day I was I was looking for their episodes and I noticed some episodes were missing and I was wondering why those episodes were missing. And so I went and went and looked it up and it turns out those episodes were taken down because they may be offensive to certain people. So then it did make me think about, you know, controversy and comedy and it, the point had come up a bit earlier in the season. So we thought we'd talk a bit more about it today. I'm so, already feeling uneasy with Oh, this. yeah. <laughs> I, I think I can, I can feel that for you too. Yeah. You know, I think uh, just even being willing to associate yourself with something like you just did, right? You said, I, I like this show, Always Sunny. That that can that makes you nervous. And it's interesting to think about like why that's the case. And I think comedy in particular, associating yourself with a comedian can be dangerous uh, these days. Yeah, well, so yeah, there's always safety in associating yourself with the, the comedians who most people like, but you know, it's those ones towards the edges that I think they <laughs> that are slightly slightly dangerous. But I would say like most of the comedians I do like are are pretty uh, well-known. So I, I, everybody, I think, knows Dave Chappelle as a comedian. Bill Burr. Not without his own controversies, though. Certainly. Oh, ab absolutely. Well, even very recently, his own uh, contra uh, controversies. Yeah. And Eliza Schlesinger, Bill Burr. So those are kind of stand-up comedians that I would tend to watch. Prior to this um, episode, we were chatting a little bit about fandom in stand-up comedy. 
now I'm not really a super fan of stand-up comedians and I, I don't know if that's something that really exists for stand-up comedy but are you a super fan of any stand-up comedians Nick? I, I can't quite claim to be a, a super fan no but also I'm not really a super fan of any musicians whereas it's definitely the case with some people that musicians they have that star power that exceeds any comedian seemingly. Yeah, exactly. So I think we just saw with Taylor Swift uh, absolutely destroying or her concerts destroying Ticketmaster's systems. I think that's a level of fandom that, well, I'm not sure actually exists in many other domains, actually. But do you have any favorite stand-up comedians, Nick, or any that you've watched recently? It's interesting to to think back about or to come up with who are your favorite comedians. And since I'm not engaging all the time on a daily basis with comedy, in order to come up with like a large number of them, I need to think about the course of my whole life. And that causes me to think about, are these people that I find funny now? If I watched or read them again now, would it strike me in the same way? And I think certainly the answer is in general, no, right? The way that you yourself perceive a comedian changes over time. And also that's true of society generally. So we discussed on a previous episode how, you know, some of my earliest comedy experiences came from reading Calvin and Hobbes, which was written and illustrated by Bill Watterson. In terms of my favorite comedians, that's probably the one that goes the furthest back. And a little bit later in my life, I was exposed to a lot of Dave Barry. I think it was actually my dad who had a bunch of Dave Barry books around the house and I, I picked them up. And I even remember doing a reading of a Dave Barry book for one of my elementary school classes, I think. <laughs> Moving sort of gradually forward in my life, there was a time in which I was a really big fan of Jon Stewart and all of his derivatives, essentially. So Jon Stewart, Stephen Colbert, John Oliver. And yeah, so like in terms of my early comedy influences, those were some that, that came to the top of my mind. Uh, so I, I didn't know who Dave Barry was, but you kindly pointed me in the direction. Is this from the Wikipedia of Dave Barry? Is that right? I pasted into our notes a review on Amazon for one of his books. Okay. <laughs> and I think that in an episode about comedy and controversy, Dave Barry is like the counterexample because as far as I know, he's almost completely uncontroversial and therefore almost like directly as a result of that considered to be kind of lame. So this is a review that basically says that, oh, you know, I really want to find this guy funny, but he's more like my unfunny uncle who comes to the family reunion and we have to like humor him and, and say that he's funny because he's in our family. I certainly didn't feel that way in whatever it was, elementary school. When I was reading the book, I was genuinely laughing out loud at what he was writing, but I'm a little bit hesitant to go back and read some of the stuff now. <laughs> because I might feel the same way as the person who wrote the review for this book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes it's best not to return to those memories. And then, you know, in terms of other types of comedy, I've long been a fan of Always Sunny. I love that show. I think it's hilarious. And I guess the comedy, they, the kind of comedy they do is mostly dark, but they're always making fun of themselves. They're always the punchline of their own jokes. There is some collateral damage in some of those jokes, though, unfortunately, which causes them some issues. I do love that show. And then I did really enjoy New Girl for its physical comedy. I thought 
I think I thought all the actors in there did a great job of making things funny just from their body language. I thought that was that was super. But other shows include like Rick and Morty. The only the only controversy I remember with Rick and Morty was something to do with with Szechuan sauce at McDonald's or I can't remember where it was, but somehow they they made McDonald's reissue that sauce or, or reproduce that sauce after they'd stopped it for a while. So there was something there. Wait, uh, so what was the controversy? there well i think it just led to people like going into mcdonald's demanding sauce <laughs> and i remember some there was a video of someone who got up on the counter and he was like i can't remember what it was somewhere in north america demanding a szechuan sauce it became a thing uh and then in terms of films comedians actually i don't think there's anyone but maybe you need to i'm not always up to date with the latest controversies in in hollywood but in terms of films people i've liked for their comedic performances Jack Black, Robert Downey Jr., especially in Tropic Thunder, which maybe at some point in the future he'll get in trouble for, but I don't know if that's happened just yet. Eddie Murphy, John Goodman, Jim Carrey for some films they've been in, and then Will Ferrell for The Anchorman, which I uh, is another film I, I love. Yeah, in terms of like in a show about our favorite comedians, for me, Will Ferrell is kind of like an anti-example. Not that I like really dislike everything that he does, but... He's so wildly popular, so many people, and and most of what he does, I find to be just not not very funny. But when he sort of rarely steps outside his regular character, there's a movie called Stranger Than Fiction, which I do remember really enjoying. So um, it's a kind of an interesting example. This shows that certainly our different tastes in humor. Did you ever really watch any comedy shows or comedy films? Did you ever go and seek those out? Oh, yeah. Well, I think the first movie I ever owned was Dumb and Dumber, yeah. which is Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels. Certainly not very highbrow humor. I'm not sure I, I could watch the whole thing now, but we watched, I don't know how many times back in the day. Um, yeah. And so like more recently, I found things by Louis Theroux to be very funny. <laughs> George Carlin was a, a slightly later discovery for me that I remember really enjoying some of his stand-up comedy. And very recently, I've been enjoying more narrative comedy of comedy of Mo Ammer, who's a, a Palestinian refugee that grew up in Houston and has a relatively recent Netflix show that sort of goes over a slightly fictionalized version of the the story of his own family. And so I, I think that, you know, if we later revisit comedy and storytelling, I think that it might be an interesting example because I think I do find some of my favorite examples of humor are those that are really deeply tied into some kind of story. Okay. So that's kind of, if we go back to the name of the, the episode, Ha Ha Hot Water, that's some of the ha ha. So I think it's it's about time we start dipping our toes into some of the hot water now. So okay, so always sunny. I, I, we'd led in with that, and that had that has had some episodes removed, and you can't really find them on streaming services anymore. And in researching for this episode, I also discovered that f for a period, Faulty Towers had one of his episodes removed. I don't know if you know Faulty Towers, Nick, but that was nope. actually a very popular series in the UK. About it's got John Cleese in it. So I do you, do you know John Cleese from? I do. Yeah, so they, it's about a, a family or a husband and wife that run a hotel somewhere in the UK. And this episode in particular referenced the Germans. And yeah, I don't know. It's because like, I, I can remember as a kid just laughing so much to that episode. And it, it does actually 
no, in doing this, it does make me reflect a little bit on myself, and I, I honestly don't know what to feel. And just yeah, in some also similarly with some of the Always Sunny episodes, I, I don't know what to feel about those episodes being taken down, whilst also also having found some of them quite funny. Yeah, yeah. So th- there's a certain kind of image that arises in my mind when discussing this. It's kind of you know, made possible by some you know, historical facts. So for example, we've now developed a technology where we can essentially preserve things in perpetuity, right? And so anything that anybody does, if you bother to do it, you can preserve it and then have it there for a long time. And so if people are trying to be funny 20 years ago, 20 years ago, we also, you know, we already had the technology to do this. So there's a lot of you know comedy that's left over from that time, and then society shifts in terms of what's considered to be respectable conversation or fit subjects for humor, and so then we apply those same standards backwards, right? And we erase certain parts of that because it doesn't fit today's standards. In my mind, there's kind of like this very complex shape, which is the the boundaries of what's considered to be acceptable conversation. And um, almost by definition, again, unless you're willing to be like Dave Barry or some other completely uncontroversial comedian, the comedy kind of has to occur at the edges, right? And so the comedians sort of flock to the edges and find those spaces where you're right on the edge of what people are going to tolerate you saying in public. And then, you know, that is captured because we can do that now. We capture the audio and the video, and then those boundaries move a little bit. And those things that were said and captured are reevaluated. And some of them have to be kind of erased. Does that paint a clear picture of what you think is happening? Yeah, I I would say that I I think that's happening. So like for the Always Sunny's episodes, there was two that were all around. What's the name of that? Lethal Weapon, the name of the film, where they make their own versions of Lethal Weapon. And this I find interesting. In, in one of the episodes, Mac, he puts on black paint, right? So he's playing Danny Glover. And they recognize this as being quite racist in the episode. The episode actually says that this is a racist thing. Why have you done this? But nevertheless, the episode has still been removed, I think. So it is interesting to see, like, even in these shows where you have, these people are bad people, right? You're supposed to re- realize that they're bad people doing bad stuff that's almost always ill-informed and selfish, but that still, yeah, that still has fallen out of bounds. Yeah, but so there's, that's an example where, you know, the, the sensibility of the person making the show and the person deciding to take it down, they're not seemingly different, right? So that's not really an example of something changing, right? The person who took it down would agree with the person who made it in the first place, except maybe like on the the point of like, should we put this in our TV show? That's that's the point of disagreement. Exactly. I would agree with that. And then the other thing that occurs to me is that when you're operating though, as, as if it, in generally as comedians, when you're, if you're operating in this edge of this, of this shape of what's acceptable, then even when you're experimenting with comedy, it might be easy to, end up outside of it like even in present times it's not always that it has to move it's just that whatever you try to achieve with this joke it just fell in the wrong place 
Oh yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the fact that you're operating on the edge, if you are, it yeah. should mean that like about half the time you're on the wrong side <laughs> of the boundary, right? Depending on how risky you're willing to be. And, you know, in a, in an era where there's global competition, I guess that's another thing is if you're competing against everyone, essentially, this is something that we discussed previously, anybody can put up a YouTube video, then being on the edge is something that gives you an edge in in the competition, then you're going to go right up to the edge and, and potentially fall over. Yeah. And uh, someone, another example, actually, from someone who was mentioned in last week's episode is David Baddiel. So David Baddiel is a British comedian. And back in the 90s, he used to have a show. I think it was Fantasy Football League. And they would relentlessly make fun of one player called Jason Lee. And I remember it at sometimes they had this running joke about him. He had dreadlocks and they would had this running joke about him having a pineapple on his head. And sometimes you'd watch the games at the, where they'd be shown on TV at the stadiums and people would be making this chant whilst, he's, like, whilst he was running on the pitch. And that, even actually at the time, I did feel quite sorry for him because it was like he was massively singled out. But for some reason, uh, the comedians rode that wave. It seemed to catch on and they rode, rode that wave. And David Batil now is having to sort of row back on that and apologize for a lot of it. And, and it's interesting, the timing of that as well, because he's coming out with a new documentary called Jews Don't Count, all about racism and anti-Semitism. And people have rightly accused him of, uh, of, of probably being somewhat racist in, in those jokes back, back in the 90s. So that's been an interesting thing to see, to see happen in the news. Some of the comedy that I mentioned previously has its own examples of people getting into trouble. And I think this first example really illustrates, I think, how, how times have changed. And I was trying to come up with a list of what are different types of comedic controversy. And maybe the simplest is just people being obscene in various ways. I mentioned that I was a fan of the stand-up of George Carlin. And one of his skits actually resulted in a Supreme Court hearing in the United States, which ended up coming down with the decision that the government does have the ability to essentially censor obscene content on public airwaves. I think that obscenity, it certainly will divide people in terms of taste, but simple obscenity, I think is in a way, one of the least controversial types of comedy that exists. Now, I think that, like I said, people will either like it or not like it, depending on their taste in comedy. But I don't think that people are being canceled, so to speak, for for simply being obscene. This was a while ago in the United States, and I think it kind of shows how, how things have shifted and moved on from that. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think I think you can get away with all sorts of language or obscene obscenities nowadays. I think there's other areas in which you have less freedom now because there is a, like, there's a lot, probably there's a lot of terms that used to be used in the past that are probably not usable. I, I wonder how much of what is considered obscene has actually changed versus yeah whether yeah whether the selection of words that is considered obscene has changed from then to now <laughs> i think it's it's hilarious to hear us try to deal with this yeah it is <laughs> <laughs> it's not the, not the easiest not the easiest topic but the um I, I was telling you before we came on that like this is so far from the kind of things i'm used to doing that's like i'm it's like making me sweat here <laughs> even trying to have this conversation so it's kind of fun 
Are there any other examples of, well, so, you know, something that you pointed out, I think in a previous episode, it's relevant here is that there's kind of two categories of controversy for a comedian uh, to find themselves in. One is that the comedy itself is controversial. Uh, and, and that's mostly what we've been discussing so far. The other category would be the comedian themselves is controversial or does something controversial. And I think in terms of people that I've enjoyed their comedy in the past, Louis C.K. is an example that comes to mind for me. And you told me that that kind of controversy you find to be less interesting. Can you explain why? Oh, I mean, just for the purposes of this episode, I think in general, it's it's quite an interesting topic, but it is, I mean, it's a broader tr- topic because it can apply to any profession, but it's essentially, can you appreciate someone's work without, without uh, whilst at the same time overlooking their flaws? And I think that's a, I think that's a tough question, really, because some people have done great work, but they've also been very flawed characters. And so, for example, and, and people would, people would argue that Elon Musk doesn't do very good work. But some people would argue that he does do good work, but he definitely, I don't think you'd get many people arguing that he doesn't have his fair share of flaws. So can you, so it's just an example of it being applied to a different profession, right? Can you, can you overlook what he's, can you appreciate what he's achieved whilst at the same time overlooking his many flaws? But someone that sprang to mind who came up recently was Aziz Ansari, I think who, who got into some, um, controversy around his behavior in past relationships or or something like that and again because that was you know i'd been enjoying his his stand-up is quite funny i'd been enjoying his his show and then something like that happens and you you're wondering am i now do i do i now feel unclean because i enjoyed those things or or what am i supposed to think of myself now i think yeah um but it just does apply to i think many different areas if you've ever felt let down by someone's personal actions Someone you looked up to, but their personal actions. Has that ever has that ever happened in another domain? For you, Nick, no scientists that have that have let you down. Yeah, I think certainly. So let's see. So Watson of Watson and Crick is an example of somebody who's gotten into a lot of hot water after his sort of the discovery that made him famous. I've read his read and enjoyed his books, and of course, I don't think it's not too controversial to say I'm a fan of DNA, you know, <laughs> and the structure of DNA. I think that was great work, but yeah, I, I do think that this is a very hard question. I mean, part of the equation to me is like this depends. This judgment depends on whether or not certain flaws of people have been publicly exposed, whether or not they exist right? Let's consider a counterfactual history where, you know, nobody ever found out about Louis C.K.'s sexual misconduct. Then presumably for some people now who it's not okay to enjoy his comedy, it would be okay, right? But the pivot there is on whether or not something, not whether or not something happened, but whether or not it was publicly disclosed, Right. And so that seems a little bit tenuous as a place to hang your hat. Yeah, I 100 I percent agree. I mean, my general viewpoint is that no one is perfect. So, yeah, everybody has. So <laughs> if, if that's my general viewpoint, I accept that everybody has flaws. So my assumption is they just haven't been exposed yet. And it's yeah, it's yeah. I don't so know. Then, 
Are we going to have an episode where we expose your flaws? Then? <laughs> we could do, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Get them right out there. No, but it, but it, if you take though, just as if you take that as an assumption, it becomes harder to say I appreciate someone's work less just because their flaws are exposed. If that's the, if that's what you're saying, if you assume that everybody has got flaws, then then that's what the 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 statement becomes. It's just a matter of exposure. I think some people would rightly object to the idea that like people have flaws. That's a very broad. Yeah, exactly. That's a fair point. Yeah. Statement, right? Not, you know, not all I think flaws that are equal. We're not, you know, neither of us are independent of anything that happened outside the comedy. Neither of us are huge fans of somebody like Woody Allen, right? But yeah. what's happened to him outside of his professional career has divided people completely in terms of what they think of him. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And and something else you touched on earlier was that hist- history matters. So because we can save all this information and look back at it from the present, the ways in which you can get in trouble now, like extend all the way back, like it's, it's interesting, like, would you modulate your behavior in a different way if you knew that it was going to be used against you in 10 years time, which is, yeah. Well, I think that that's the reason why we're having such a hard time with this podcast. <laughs> it's like, we, we assume that like, even if we like cancel this and take it down, there's going to be somebody out there who's like archiving the whole internet <laughs> and is going to figure out that in 2022, Neeraj said that he liked uh, Rick and Morty and it was later revealed that the sound designer on that show did something <laughs> terrible. So yeah, that's the, there's always a, there's, there is definitely a fear of something similar to that happening. But the, so Kevin Hart is a good example of someone that this happened to. So he was, I can't remember if he was supposed to be hosting the, maybe the 2019 Oscars, but it was some, some stuff from a, from a performance in 2010 or jokes he told in 2010 that got him in trouble. So like nine years prior to that. And I'm not saying those jokes are okay in any way. So I think they were homophobic or accused of being homophobic, but the, yeah, it's just interesting how that sort of stuff catches up with you. Uh, and you do have to be, as a comedian, I mean, as a, uh, specifically as a comedian, you kind of have to think, maybe you have to think more about what you're doing now and how it may be looked at in the future when that when that shape of what's acceptable, Nick, that you were talking about, moves around. Yeah. That, that was uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, we may do an episode on, on laughter. And I think there, there's a kind of species of laughter, which is just kind of nervous laughter. Yeah. Which maybe is mostly what you're, what you're hearing this episode. From me. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> so I, I did, cause I, I have actually also been seeing a lot about cancel culture coming for comedians and, and I think Dave Chappelle suggested that and other comedians have as well. And you, you kind of have opposing views on this. I found one article that said, if cancellation doesn't mean unemployment, does it really matter? I, I don't know. But it, yeah. yeah I, I don't I don't have a lot of sympathy, I think, for, I mean, I can't think of any examples and maybe I'm just not up to speed or educated on this, but I can't think of any examples where like I'm really feeling sorry for a performer who's like being bullied for something that, you know, they tried to experiment with, you know, maybe if you were more in the weeds, you'd know of, of some examples of that. But I think that it's probably easier than ever to find niche audiences and 
niche audiences in this day and age where everybody's connected, everybody can be quite large. Yep. And so I think, I don't know, it's probably not the entirety of what's going on, but kind of complaining about being canceled is kind of in vogue these days and can you know itself be a kind of topic to help you draw attention. Yeah. And I wonder if it's just one of those things that's always been going on under a different guise or a different name. And, and now it's just being called cancel culture, but ultimately, like, I guess comedy will adapt and, and do what's required to stay relevant because there has to be things in the past that you couldn't make jokes about as well. Yeah. I just, I do also wonder how much it is. It is, is it actually anything that's new? Okay. So we said that we would bring a joke to every episode. I don't know. Have you prepared? I haven't prepared. <laughs> Did you bring a okay. joke? Well, so in the theme of the episode, I mentioned that Dave Barry is an anti-example of controversial comedy and that he's getting lambasted by people in the comments on Amazon for being not not edgy enough. So, and I did, in elementary school, I did this reading out of a book. And so <clears throat> I'm, I'll, I'll perform a reading here so we can see an example of uh, non-controversial comedy. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So this is the first paragraph of the introduction to Dave Barry Slept Here, A Sort of History of the United States. We the people, these are the words that begin the Declaration of Independence. Or maybe you were thinking of the Gettysburg Address. No matter. The point is, these words are written on an extremely historic yellowed document that we, as a nation, keep in a special vault in Washington, D.C., where each working day it's cherished by employees of the Document Cherishing Division of the Federal Bureau of Historic Yellowed Objects. <laughs> okay, so so that, that's the entire first paragraph. And, uh, you know, I, I think that there are, there are funnier parts to the book, but I think my, my sense that, like, maybe how much I would enjoy certain types of comedy over time does, does change. <laughs> now you're wondering about you in elementary school and enjoying that. But the, so I'll, I'll tell a joke, which you've heard before, Nick, but which I did come up with. It was, it was left. It was left on the cutting room floor in previous efforts. So the joke is, what do you call the area where wild horses roam? A neighborhood. <laughs> A neighborhood. <laughs> that was the joke. Yeah. Yeah, you should have done it with the, the horse sound. Uh, for the, the first, first time. eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's good either way. It's, yeah. it's good. That's my joke for today. Okay. So we managed to avoid controversy, at least in our own jokes. Yeah, I'm, yeah, exactly. And some two good, clean jokes there. Although the people, you did go after the uh, some US. <laughs> oh, are you worried about making fun of the federal government? That's it, yeah. I think that's a completely safe, in all times and places, that's a safe. Oh, well, subject for humor. I'm pretty sure there's some countries where you can't do that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, but this is the, yeah. Okay. So you're imagining like a future totalitarian <laughs> United States government where I, I'm not allowed to make fun of the document cherishing division of the Federal Bureau of Historic Yellow <laughs> Documents. Well, you never know. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, I guess it, those the way that shape changes is can be unexpected. Uh, unpredictable. All right, Nick, this has been an uncomfortable but 
probably quite useful episode to do. I've kind of enjoyed it. I've also found it a bit tricky. Any any ending thoughts from yourself? I had similar feeling. I knew going in that it wasn't going to be easy. I think I know kind of what my limitations are. I like to try to, you know, test and expand my limitations here, but I think that mostly what happened is that they're just kind of on display today. <laughs> I think that's the same for both of us. All right, everyone. Thanks very much for listening and we'll catch you next week. All right. Cheers.